Hello and welcome to the Get Social Connected Leader podcast, where I, Michelle Carville, interview business leaders around the practicalities of how, in this hyper-connected digital age, they are embracing digital technologies to tune in and connect and communicate. You can find all episodes of the podcast together with show notes via our website, carvelcreative.co.uk forward slash podcasts. In this episode of the Get Social Connected Leader podcast, I'm delighted to interview Chris Lewis. With a background in creativity, Chris has worked for a variety of international and national media. The agency he founded has grown to 500 staff in 30 offices globally. He is an experienced strategist and works with senior politicians, business leaders and celebrities. He volunteers for a range of organisations, including the UK's leading scientific organisation, the Royal Society and London's Chelsea College of Art and Design. He is the author of the bestseller on creativity, Too Fast to Think, and in 2016, working with the US presidential advisor, author and economist, Dr. Pippa Malgram, he founded the Lewis Advisory Board. Together, they are co-authors of the 2018 Business Book of the Year, The Leadership Lab, Understanding Leadership in the 21st Century. So, Chris, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's great to have you here. Thanks. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Fabulous. So we met Chris at the Business Book Awards uh, back in March, and um, we were talking at the time. We sat next to each other on the table. We were both there with Kogan Page, and uh, congratulations on, on the win, by the way. It's a terrific, terrific book. Um, and we were talking about communications and social media, and even though we met there physically, we then I went then went on to follow various people yourself and Pippa on on social, connecting that way, kind of keeping in tune. So I wanted to bring you onto the podcast to really get your view as both Chris, the the CEO and founder, you know, of, of Lewis, and indeed your role as the CEO and indeed you as a practitioner of social media in, in the space. So let's start then with why you got into social media, why you use it yourself as, as a leader of the practice or the agency. Well, well thanks, Michelle. Uh, one of the central uh, principles in the, the leadership lab that uh, Pippa Malmgren uh, and I uh, wrote was that there's a real fundamental problem in the notion of putting all of our faith in single points of failure around one leader rather than looking at the leadership uh, as a a group of people and a a culture and an ethos. And we felt very strongly that there was too much emphasis on this single, infallible, uh, often male leader uh, that's passed down to us from Jesus Christ and Moses. Um, And so we 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 can substitute Elon Musk for Moses and we can substitute Stephen Jobs for Jesus Christ, but it doesn't make the model any more attractive because it tends to be focused on single points of failure, and they're often, too often, middle-aged white men. And, uh, and, and, and that means that the, the parenthesis or reference that that person has as an individual is limited, whereas if they are drawing leadership from a group of people, then those people are so much more representative and so much more likely to be accepted as a leadership team. So leadership groups, for that reason, 
should they should seek to uh, to 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 look and sound like the groups of people that they're seeking to represent. And so, in social media, we often talk about it as a communications medium, but listening yeah. is is for me the core of it. So the human being has two ears and one mouth, but doesn't always use them in that proportion. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and and uh, that very that very kind of analogy is in is in Get Social. Actually, I talk about the power of listening, and it's interesting that when I interviewed people. Uh, then for, for Get Social leaders as to how they were engaging and what, what they were finding was the most useful out of uh, the, the channels. And indeed on this podcast, I've interviewed 16 people so far, and there is this consistent theme that listening in, informs so much, not always statistically accurate, you know, but it's enough of a barometer to, to pick up on the sense, you know, what is what is actually happening out there, um, both with competitors, both with your customers, and internally with your own teams, importantly. Uh, so, okay, so I talk a lot about the connected leader and that digital technologies allow leaders to be more connected at scale. So, you know, the whole Tom Peters thing about walking the floor, uh, you, you know, leading by by wandering around. Now these digital technologies enable us to connect and communicate and indeed for leaders to kind of be that connected and be walking the floor at scale. Is this something that you find when you're working with clients or within your own organization that it, it's, it's helping that people are doing this? Well, I think uh, you, you always got to be aware of that when you're in a, in a structure that the people that are, are, are in immediate contact with the team are perhaps more important than the overall uh, leader is. And, and, and one of the things that we point out in the, in the leadership lab is that leaders kind of get to the top by having a to-do list. But when, when they're at the top, they need to have more than just a to-do to list. They must have a to-be list because the values that leadership uh, represents they're all things that can't just be done. You can't do inspiration. You can only be <laughs> inspiration. You can't do reassurance. You can only be reassuring. You can't do consistency. You can only be consistent. Yeah. And so, so in terms of in terms of leadership, there's an awful lot of people at the top that want to be seen to be doing things, rather than than uh, than, than projecting values. And these days, the values of the organisation that people work in are becoming more important because they see mm. such a catalogue of wrongdoing from leadership. They see the Volkswagen emissions scandal. They see uh, um, the Me Too movement and, and uh, sexual harassment in the entertainment industry. They see politicians uh, fiddling expenses. Mm. They see the banks wholesale crashing of the economy 10 years ago. Uh, they see they see the treatment of, uh, of people in the Catholic Church and the scandals that have arisen from that, um, and and the hits keep coming. Only two weeks ago, we heard that Southern Water was fined 130 million pounds or so for covering up the fact that they polluted some of our rivers in the south of England. Uh, so, so so people are beginning to get the 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 message that leadership is catastrophically. Uh, unrepresentative and broken 
And in order for, for good leadership to persist, it needs to return to, the, to a set of values, yeah. not just a, a, a set of, of numbers that they, they can do. Yeah, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. And, and I suppose it's, there's that challenge then, isn't there, for, because there's a huge aspect of disengagement that happens. Not only do we, you know, trust drops, but from an employee perspective, being l- driven and led by these leaders, you just become totally disengaged, don't you? If there's no trust there, if you, if, if and, and that, there's a huge cost to that disengagement. To, to organizations when you have disengaged. So, so that personal connection, that connection of the leader to themselves drives the connection of the leader within that organization. Um, and I suppose that's a, that's a big challenge. And, and one of the biggest challenges that I saw when I, I did a piece of research actually around disconnected in, employees, and a lot of the disconnection is, as we've just talked about, driven by the leaders. Do you think then that what these new digital technologies are doing, particularly things like social media, where there is this expectation for people to be more visible, to be more transparent, to be more accessible, um, do you think they're kind of shining a light on? The problems. Well, I, I think uh, here's sort of tip, tip number one f- uh, for me for representative leadership is that you can't claim that you're accessible and that you're listening if you if the people that follow you are a tiny tiny fraction of the people that you yourself you yourself follow. So, yeah. and, we, and I see this all the time with senior politicians. And I make the point to them: How can you expect to people to to, to believe that you're listening? When you follow three people yeah. and you yourself are followed by millions. And so I would always like to see leaders to up the ratio of people that they choose to follow because not only is that a way of getting engagement, but people sometimes are incredibly flattered that somebody in a position of prominence would, would want to follow them. So to my message to leaders who are on social media is follow as many people as you can. Uh, because it's very difficult for you to make the argument that you're listening if you don't. Yeah, that's a good point. And also, it, you can become a little bit in a bubble, can't you? You know, getting different perspectives by, uh, this has come up a few times on the podcast, that that listening piece isn't just about listening to what you want to listen to. It's actually listening to the tough stuff and listening to opinions that you might ordinarily think, I don't kind of agree with that, but that's they're coming at it from a different angle. So it, it broadens the your perspective as to... to to what's going on out there as a, as a leader, as a human. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I think that's a very valid point. What else would you, would you say that people need to be doing from a comms perspective then? Uh, well, I, I'd, also, uh, I'd also suggest that they uh, get themselves up to speed on automation. Um, so look at website bots, look at Twitter bots. Um, it's not difficult to program Twitter to pick up a particular string um, that people are concerned about a hashtag and then respond directly to that in an automated way in order to direct those people to, to the information that they're looking for. So uh, not enough attention is paid to that. There's not enough uh, senior people using aggregate, uh, aggregators either like Hootsuite so that you can see across the board a large number of issues that are being tracked because, again, with this listening uh, notion, there are a lot of CEOs have a tendency to 
to approach a problem, every problem with an open mouth. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's very dangerous if you don't know the tone of the conversation. And sometimes if you listen to the conversation around a particular subject, you can work out what it is people are concerned about. And you can also work out who some of the big opinion formers are, even before you engage in that conversation. And, uh, and that brings me back to this theme of using, using social media to listen to people, engage uh, engage their feelings. Of course, it, it's not the only source that you that you, you need to draw information from, but uh, you can walk around and talk to them as well because people sometimes are a bit more circumspect in the flesh because they'll they'll use social media in sometimes in a disinhibited way, so they appear to be more angry than they actually are about mm. a certain subject, and that also inhibits other people from using social media because. They interpret everybody as being angry. I've met people in the flesh who are, uh, on social media appear to be very angry, but they're as nice as pie over a couple of couple of drinks. Yeah, and, and I think that goes two ways as well because it, there's the... There's that, there's that aspect, but there's also, when I, it's interesting, when I was speaking to a couple of people when they were talking about ideas and innovation at, that have come from listening, and by tuning into employees, into people that we, they ordinarily wouldn't have the opportunity to, to tune into, great insights have been learned, and to the extent that it's kind of like, I would never have had that conversation, yet it's a brilliant idea and, and, and we can do something with that. And it, it's almost a little bit of a hierarchy buster in some respects, because if there's permission within an organization or if a leader is listening to the followers and there's, there's a real conversation going on, there's that permission to engage, connect. There, it becomes a little bit freer. I mean, I, I, you know, people are concerned about that often, um, the freedom of, of, of what can be said. But there's also, there's, there's a light and shade to everything. There's also that opportunity that people that ordinarily may not step forward feel okay about sharing an idea on a, on a message rather than actually making themselves visible and coming to the front of the room. So it's, it kind of swings a bit both ways, doesn't it? Yeah, I think sometimes people forget that the four most powerful words in leadership are, are what do you think? Yeah. I mean, leaders don't have to, to follow the advice, but if you want to get people to engage, then you need to know what they're worried about. And sometimes that uh, you never, I mean, for instance, if you're in a meeting with men, you're never short of an opinion. Um, they don't have any problem coming forward with opinions because they tend to have overconfidence, which is maximized, and skill sets, which are relatively minimal. Uh, whereas in terms of getting female engagement, it tends to be the other way around. And you actually actively have to seek out an opinion. Um, and, uh, and quite often that is, is, is very, very much worth the effort. I think the point that I would make also in terms of innovation is that in my uh, first book, uh, Too Fast to Think, which was very much around creativity and where that came from, mm -hmm. I interviewed 40 people and asked them the principles of where their best ideas came to them. And they said three things. They said uh, they are seldom at work when the ideas come to them. They are seldom with other people. Um, they're often on their own. And thirdly, and the most interesting piece is that they weren't trying. They weren't trying. They were, they were switched off. They absorbed a lot of information, but they'd taken time to switch off, and then they were suddenly hit by their sort of great epiphany. And as much as, as important it is to listen to other people, it's also really important 
for people to understand that the creativity and their success and their, all of their potential is entirely within them. It is not something that's going to come to them with one piece of information from the outside. You have it all already there. You have to decide that you're going to give yourself some space for that to, mm-hmm. to, to, to come to you. And so that level of creativity and that level of innovation is something that you have to permit yourself. You have to be able to create the space to do that and then have the, the, the faith and the belief that that will, that will come to you. There's an awful lot of people that infuse their entire day filling every last minute with every last minute of social media, and that denies access to the engine of genius, which is within you. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. The, you know, the people talk about, oh, it's a digital detox, but really we sh- it needs to be more of a balance, doesn't it? That we have this time to think, this space, this downtime, um, and use and step in and out of the channels as a tool, as and as when we want to. We don't need to be always on. In fact, it's, it's detrimental. So... So, Chris, just a little bit about your activity then, because you, you know, you, I, you've written extensively around the, the communication side of, of this, and indeed around leadership and uh, and the future of leadership. What what about your own practice within social media? What's your balance? You know, you've just talked there about not having this always on mentality, but how do you actually practically use social? How does it fit into your life as? the CEO of your agency? Uh, well, I'm a sort of bit of a news junkie. So I, I, I start my day with about 400 RSS feeds uh, coming into an aggregator around specific subjects that I really want to know about um, so that I'm, that I'm particularly tracking. Um, I, I am at large burrito on Twitter. Yes. It's uh, kind of a derivative because Grand Enchilada, my job title, was, <laughs> was already taken. So I had to put up with being a large burrito. Um, again, um, a, lot of, a lot of senior people hide behind these massive job descriptions. I, I found chief executive officer, which is my official title, to be a little bit pompous and sometimes would inhibit people approaching me. So I decided to be a, a grand oh, and a large burrito. <laughs> um, so I, so I, first of all, I start the day looking at every, every one of my uh, um, RSS feeds and then, and then I move into Hootsuite and then look at the aggregation across uh, uh, Twitter. Um, and, and so I use that every day to get a pretty good idea before breakfast exactly what's been going on. And of the journalists that I, and the media people that I follow, I follow about 4,000 people. So I've got a constant stream of, of really, really great journalists. Yeah. And uh, all sorts of, of, of voices from both sides of the political spectrum, because uh, I just want to—I just want to find out what people are talking about. And sometimes uh, the, the great ideas can come from both right and left. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's and that's probably where you build up a better understanding of what's currently going on. Hundred percent. And um, how is it? I mean, you're a communications agency. You know, a very successful global communications agency. You. Um, how is it? Is it? Is it something that you allow everybody in the organisation to be engaged with as part of their role? Does it? You're doing it, so it, it gives permission to everybody else to be on there, talking, engaging. Is that something that's embraced throughout? Yeah, I think you've just got to trust people uh, yeah. that if you if you trust them with uh, the responsibility uh, for something, then the authority 
must go in equal measures uh, in, in that respect. You know, your, the point about leadership granting permission is a, is a very important one, Michelle, because sometimes when you're trying to get creativity out of people or you're trying to encourage a certain type of behavior, then it really helps if the, if the, the person in the leadership role taking responsibility is prepared to make themselves look stupid, uh, to, to come up with big and stupid ideas. Because that all ideas create other ideas. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's kind of a, an, an immutable rule, that if you're prepared to go out there with a big stupid idea, then sometimes people will, will follow that example and, uh, and, and they'll respond by taking creative risks that they wouldn't ordinarily, ordinarily do. And, th- and that usually begins with a question that, that starts with the two words, what if? Yeah. What if we were to, to, to do this? And again, that is a key uh, way of thinking about leadership in that you don't actually have to tell people what to do. You can just say, well, what if we were to do this and, and explore the consequences of that particular contingency? Yeah. And, and do you, from a, from a blend of the social, you know, we're, we're now in a very much a digital age. Digital is, you know, people talk about digital transformation, you know, digital disruption, but, you know, digital is inextricably, it's kind of part of what we do. It's how we, how we uh, communicate and connect. It's changing all sorts of uh, industries and, um, and the way that we, and behaviors. So from a leadership perspective, what, what about those leaders that feel a little bit, at, still feel, because I, I still hear people, there's a lot of fear. They don't want to lead by example because they, they don't feel competent with these technologies. You, you know, some of the people I've interviewed on the podcast have said, well, these are part of the role now. You know, you have to, this is, these are the tools. What's your view on that? Well, I think sometimes people are afraid of, of, of what they might say. But the usual response when leadership is communicating with the team is most frequently, most often, it's just silence. You know, if people have got something to tell you, they'll they'll tell you very probably, yeah. or they'll let it let it be known. But silence is okay. I mean, people just don't wander around every day, you know, uh, saying you know thanks for paying my salary today, or you know they don't go to the IT director's office and say, guess what, my you know, my computer worked perfectly well today. Thank you very much. Um, you know, in the same way that you don't go and thank your parents for all of the stuff that they did for you day in, day out. Um, so there's, there's a certain amount of acceptance of that. So you don't have to be on social media to go and broadcast who you are, but you should be there just to, as another avenue for listening. Yeah. So you don't have to be out there uh, talking every day. It's, it's, I mean, the, the human being only has two modes. One is listening and one is talking. Mm. And so it's perfectly okay to spend the balance of your time listening. Yep. Yep. Perfect. And is there anything that you, with your, um, your, both your experience within, you, you know, what, you, what you're doing with your clients and also your own experience that you would say to other, you think, oh, I wish I'd done that at the beginning or I wish I'd known a little bit more. You know, what, is there any, an, any um, advice that you would give to somebody to, to maybe another CEO or a leader who is setting out and thinking, I, I want to engage with these channels a bit more. I want to, I want to in, engage. I'm assuming you're going to say, just start listening. But you know, it's Well, I, I, the, you know, I, I think this is, this is something to say, well, what have you got to lose? Um, 
by listening. You don't have to take it all on on board, but also recognize social media isn't uh, isn't necessarily representative of everybody. No. Um, it's a narrow sample, and you and you, it, it, it will never get away from you know the, the importance of going to just to, just to talk to people to give them to give them some time and uh, because you find out things which are very important, but they often tend to be social rather than uh, related uh, uh, commercially. And from a leader's point of view, one of the things that, that's caused such a great tragedy and such catastrophic leadership failure is their inability to take responsibility. They're either unwilling or unable to take responsibility. And that's the, one of the things that we really need to change because the message to anybody who wants to be a leader out there, just take responsibility for something. And that doesn't mean that, that that's just not the job of prime ministers or presidents or CEOs. Yeah. You can do that at every level in any organization, which is to take responsibility for what you do and own what you do. Yes. And that can be at every, every level. And I've no idea why we don't teach that leadership right the way through our university system because we seem to have this idea that somehow if you get really good at analyzing things and get yourself a degree or a master's degree or a PhD, that somehow you're going to be very successful. Yeah. And, and I feel strongly that you know, one of the things social media allows you to do is to substitute and to augment that an analytical capability with something that allows you to look across. Yes. So not just so drill down, but look across, not so much analysis as parenthesis. Yeah, love that. Brilliant. And, and I think that that is, I, was, I spoke to um, Professor Pat- Patricia Hind, who is at the Ashridge School of Management. She was saying that, you know, these technologies now are, are changing the way we're going to have to teach leadership. You know, we need to change the skill set. We need to be bringing in aspects. And she, she very much talked about this responsibility piece. So, um, so. I like to end, Chris, with a few quick-fire questions, just a little bit about you. They're quite big questions, but it's just top-of-the-head stuff that that comes to you, so we just learn a little bit about the leader. So I'm going to fire these at you. Is that okay? Sure, yeah, go ahead. Perfect. So if you could change one thing in the world, Chris, what would it be? I'd I'd give people good manners. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't cost anything to say thank you to people. It means the world... And it doesn't cost anything, and you know, just good manners. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it could just make the world a lot of, a lot easier. Just show the, the common courtesies. Good manners cost nothing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And as you would think quite a simple fix, like you say, not not just cost nothing. It's it's uh, it should be pretty simple. But I love that. And what about books? Uh, I know uh, you spend a lot of time writing books, but what about books that you read? What have you read recently that's inspired you? Uh, well, I think one of my daily reads is the the Viz Profanisaurus. I have to say. Um, <laughs> I always get a kick out. Of, I always get a kick out of reading that and other other people's stuff that you couldn't ever mention on on uh, very serious and respectable podcasts <laughs> such as this. So yes, the Profanosaurus. Love that. And um, what about the best piece of advice that you've ever been given to date? Well, I think there's there's, there's lots of people that can that can give you uh, uh, advice, but the Really, the, the, best th- the best thing you can do in all aspects of what you're doing is just take responsibility. And um, 
does people won't tell you very much about that, and you don't hear that, that advice uh, being given. But wherever you, wherever people yeah. are taking responsibility, you'll you'll see leadership, and um, and so I I, I I can't think of any one person that's given me that piece of piece of advice. But I, I would also just you know trust your judgment, trust your your own uh, thoughts, and if you and if you if you can get centered enough in order to get the ideas and creativity we talked about earlier. Yes. And also I, I do believe that within that, that it, it, you get some guidance there as to, as to, as to what to do to get it right. Now, you know, that's the difference between leadership and management. Management is about doing things right. Leadership is about doing the right I things. Think, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Well, on that, Chris, I'm going to say a huge thank you for being part of the podcast. It's been an absolute joy to uh, to have you on the the uh, the show as such and to, to tune in and get your insights and advice. So thank you very much for being part of it. Thanks, Michelle. And, uh, and, and thanks for taking the time today to do this. It's uh, It's been great fun. You've been listening to the Get Social Connected Leader podcast. Thank you to my guest and indeed thank you to you for tuning in. Please do feel free to share the podcast with colleagues and friends who you think will enjoy it and indeed subscribe to tune in for more episodes. You'll find the podcast on all the usual platforms and all episodes are also on our website carvelcreative.co.uk forward slash podcasts. You'll also find some really useful digital and social resources on that site too, so be sure to check those out. So for now, from me, Michelle Carville, your host on the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in and goodbye. Oh, P.S. If you're a business leader with something to share around digital and social technologies and you're keen to be a guest on the podcast, then I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, michelle at carvelcreative.co.uk.